This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. There's a chill in the air, and with it comes the biggest football games of the season. And MPB is the statewide radio network for the MHSAA State Football Championships. Hear all six games live December 2nd and 3rd on Think Radio. And brand new for 2022, hear the state's biggest football stars compete against the best from Alabama and against each other in the Miss Al All-Star Football Game from Mobile December 10th and the Bernard Blackwell All-Star Football Classic from Gulfport December 17th. Hear Mississippi's biggest and brightest future stars all through December right here on Think Radio and the MPB Public Media app free in the iTunes and Google Play Store. From MPB Think Radio, you're listening to Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. Today is the first Thursday of the month, so the doors to our pet hospital are wide open. An all-pet day here on Creature Comforts, where we welcome all pet questions from the big to the small. If you have any concerns about your furry friends, don't hesitate to call because phone lines can sometimes fill up rather quickly. Also, if you have a general wildlife experience, we always like to have you share those. You can email the show, send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Here's a reminder, if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursdays, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Are things uh, usually busy at your clinic this time of year? Yes, it is. Yes, they are. I guess would be the best answer. Uh, it stays stays pretty busy. We doing, you know, our basics plus surgery. Uh, we're seeing a few cases of parvovirus, which uh, is always distressing to see. Which uh, certainly parvo is a very difficult disease, and uh, certainly can be prevented by good sanitation and vaccinations uh, in most cases. But uh, yeah, we we're staying busy. I guess that's the best way to answer. <clears throat> so I was uh, surfing online the other day and saw something about uh, house cats. It was, you know, interesting facts about your cat or whatever. And some of them, because I've watched so many of those, I already knew. But one of them that I thought was interesting, it says that uh, house cats share like more than 90 percent of their DNA with tigers and the behavior. So um, in effect, I guess all of us cat owners have miniature little tigers running around our house. Well, you can see that, you know, but <laughs> our cats, our cats like to stalk. Uh, mm-hmm. They would stalk a, sometimes a insect or something like that that they love to play with. Uh, and they're they're very similar to, I guess, tigers in a lot of respect, and uh, some more so than others. But uh, they're, I have to view cats, you know, as being a predator. Really, they they like to, uh, they, if they were outside. Uh, they would prey on small, small animals, birds, uh, mice, this sort of thing. So yes, they they're very similar, I guess, in some respects to a tiger. Well, you know, I like going to zoos, and one of the things I do like to go is to see the big cat exhibit because it is funny to see, you know, the behaviors that your little house cat, uh, you know, has on the on the large scale. Because and then this thing about you know tigers and lions and those things, just the. The size of like their paws and things have always impressed me. So that's always uh, one of my favorite uh, sections of of the zoo to go to. So yes, you know the, one of the amazing things uh, I had an opportunity to see where a tiger was scratching, leaving his claw marks on the tree, and it was like higher than my head, which I'm six four, I think, <laughs> and you know so shrunk any with COVID, the COVID <laughs> episodes. But anyway. Um, and they leave, a, you know, just just rip the bark and leave the claw marks. And if you see a tiger 
print in the soft uh, mud or ground, uh, it's almost as big as your hand, not quite. You know, I think so. I, I saw something on Amazon. It's a little, it was a package of like 18 tiny little plastic springs of different colors that a cat toy. And I thought, oh, that looks pretty interesting. So I bought them and I broke them out and he loves chasing them around. But in the first day, there were 18 of them in three packs of six. I went through two packs and I think he they must be somewhere under the couch, under the bed, something. I can't seem to find any because he, uh, he ran off and batted them around and then... They go under somewhere, and he's like, oh, well, that, 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 so much for that one. So uh, when I do my cleaning, I'm going to have to keep my eye out for all the hidden cat toys. Exactly. And one of the things that concerns me with small toys would be that a cat might swallow. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly how big these were. But uh, I have seen issues where cats will play with most anything. Be careful with rubber bands on the floor if you drop them. Uh, just be sure that you don't leave them there. Uh, also, paper clips. Uh, twist ties from bread. I've had to do surgery on some cats that have swallowed these things and they made a lodge in the uh, GI tract. So that's that's one of the things that you need to be careful with, small toys. Yeah, and I, I you know, I think you've, you've mentioned about twist ties before, so I do try to keep those, and he loves playing with those as well. So they, these springs are probably about, uh, I would say, two and a half inches long. And, you know, so I, I think that... They're pretty good. Uh, yeah, is. yeah, but uh, like I say, he he really enjoys those, and so I'm I'm sort of holding back the last pack so maybe we can, as I said again, find some of the ones that have gone missing in the wild. So, all right. So December first, uh, the holiday season is here. Uh, I think this time of year we talk about the types of plants or things that uh, might not be real friendly to our pets, and, and in fact might be uh, poisonous. Is it just safe to say that if you get any kind of plant or something or decorations for uh, for the holidays that and you have a pet that you keep it in mind, kind of like where you put them, I would guess. I think that's a great idea. And, of course, you know, cats, just as, for example, they love to check out anything new. Uh, Christmas trees this time of year are up for grabs. You know, some cats uh, love to get up in the Christmas tree and hide. Uh, other times you'll see where they um, turned it over, that sort of thing. And be careful with any... Uh, fluid that you put in the Christmas tree uh, holder uh, simply because some of that can be toxic um, to cats and dogs. But plants, I found one of the handiest things that I have is is something called Picture This, and it will, if you take a picture of a plant, and it'll show you exactly what that plant is, Mm -hmm. but it also can list if it's toxic or not to animals or people. So it's a great app. It's called Picture This. And um, there are others as well. It's free, and um, it, it comes in handy when you're trying to identify a plant, but also it can tell you if it's toxic or not. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting with Dr. Troy Major. It's an all-pet day, so if you have a question about your pet, you can always send us an email as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. In fact, we do have some emails here to go through. This first one says... My three-month-old puppy drools while riding in the car. Is it nausea? Is there a medicine to give her before a trip? Also, she hiccups periodically. Is that normal? She's a mixed breed, rescued along with six pups and mama abandoned out in the country. So first, uh, the puppy drooling while riding in the car. Any thoughts on that? This is not an unusual thing. We have some some of the dogs will actually uh, throw up when they get in the car and get started moving. They'll drool. So it's a nausea issue. 
Uh, one of the things that can be used uh, would be Dramamine, uh, just like some people need it when they're when they're traveling, uh, but it will help control nausea. Your vet can also give you some tablets. Uh, Serenia would be one of the ones um, that would help with that to help prevent nausea or vomiting. Sounds like this is pretty normal for a lot of puppies. Uh, usually they outgrow it. I would get the puppy out for short trips as often as you can just to get it more familiar with the car, and hopefully that will help uh, as it gets older. So, yeah, that makes sense. I guess like some people can can tend to have car sickness. It would seem to uh, be the same uh, with dogs. And as as you mentioned, maybe uh, it's it's an unfamiliarity, and so to uh, to just take some short trips and get the puppy more acclaimed to, to being in the car, and that might uh, solve the problem there. Uh, what about hiccups? Right. Is that uh, something that you encounter a lot with uh, dogs? Not a lot, but it is fairly common, especially in puppies. Uh, I would say that in most cases they subside. I've never heard of one that just continued uh, on and on and on, but usually it's, it's transitory. One interesting thing about uh, riding in the car most of you are not old enough to remember, but a lot of times people that were not used to riding in a car, I'm talking about 40, 50 years ago, a lot of those people could not ride in the front of the car, front seat of the car. They would have to get in the back, and uh, it helped alleviate the nausea. Some of it was probably all in their mind, but I remember people that could not ride like on the front seat. So that's interesting with the puppy. So I, we had a large family. My memory of, of driving back in the day w- was a station wagon was the poor kid, uh, usually me, who got stuck in the very back part of the station <laughs> wagon, and you, uh, you're facing b- backwards, so you never could see where you right. were going anyway. Right. Let's, uh, let's get one call in. It's our friend Mikey in Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. You're on the air with us. I can't help but pass on this tip, but I just, my brother, you know, he, who does not currently have pets of his own, but he, you know, he is the favorite uncle of, uh, of my my two small dogs. And um, uh, he gave us this gift, which I really sh- should have to share with the rest of the public. Um, uh, if there are pizza crusts, a lot of people say, you know, it's like for different reasons, for their own health. I'm not going to eat the crust, but I'm going to eat the pizza. Um, save the crust in a plastic bag, you know, a snacky bag, and um, and uh, then it 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 doesn't matter refrigerated or not. They are basically kind of, particularly for small dogs, um, uh, ref- I still refrigerate for them because it makes it last longer, but. You know, instead of just tossing them out or putting it on your own thighs, <laughs> um, go ahead and give them to them, you know, in bits that, that uh, will give them doggy bone-like things. Sounds like a good idea, Mikey. Uh, Dr. Major, what do you think? Maybe uh, using pizza crust as a faux bone for dogs to chew on and eat? I have no problem with that. I would avoid uh, giving a lot of dogs are very sensitive to the spaghetti, not spaghetti sauce, tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, that is on the pizza. So just the crust, uh, small amounts, certainly could be a good treat. But the big question is, what about the stuffed crust, the cheesy crust? <laughs> does that does that still apply? I don't think you. 
John, I don't think you're going to let any of that go to waste. <laughs> hey, hey, now. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have the cheesy crust. I think it might be wise to go on and take care of that yourself. Okay. All right, Mikey, good suggestion. Thanks for the call. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. Today, we're taking your pet questions. And also, if you have an encounter with nature you'd like to share with us, we always like to hear those as well. All right. uh, So, Dr. Major, here's another email. Uh, This one starts out by saying your program's been an informative source that I've relied on for years. Thanks for being part of the journey with me and my dogs. And uh, it's two female dogs, nine years old and over. The past year, they've developed yeasty ears and breakouts on the underbelly region. I've tried prescriptions and home remedies, apple cider, uh, but the breakouts continue to come back, especially in the ears. Any thoughts on that? It's a great question. It's a common problem as well. And, of course, you know, I would suggest that probably this is a yeast or malesthesia uh, bacteria or yeast type uh, infection. The ears seem to be a prime place for it. Uh, and also, is the dog underneath in the axillary or under the arms or in the groin area, they will lick a lot. And it's irritating. And then the, the moisture from the licking seems to make it proliferate even more. Uh, ears need to be treated. Uh, I suspect that your vet needs to look at those if you hadn't already, or he or she. And uh, to treat the ears, we have different types of uh, medications available that, that should help with that. I, the the uh, person that emailed indicated that they had used prescriptions, and I'm not sure what what has been used, but ketoconazole, uh, which your vet can prescribe for you, uh, usually it has to be done long-term. And some of these are very difficult to clear up, so it, it has to be under observation. Shampoos will help, and some of the shampoos, just right off the top of my head, would be ketochlor, which has ketoconazole and chlorhexidine combination, seem to help and soothe and help to hopefully eliminate some of this. If the dog is scratching a lot, that needs to be controlled as well. Uh, talk to your vet about that. Uh, but so it can be a, it can be a difficult problem to clear up, and I really believe just over the years that some of it has to do with an immune response uh, that some dogs are more affected by others. Strange to see that both of these dogs in the household do have some of the similar problems. I think you bring up a good point, though. Sometimes uh, in in uh, veterinarian medicine and also with humans, you know, things don't clear up overnight. So if you have something like this, uh, work closely with your vet uh, when you're doing the prescription. And as you suggest, maybe follow-up visits would be required, too. But you want to stay the course and make sure you, you stick with it to try to clear something like that up. Right. And the paritis or itching, I guess, would be the simplest way to say it, uh, that needs to be controlled or it's just going to get worse. So you need to coordinate with your veterinarian and hopefully you can come to a good resolution with this at least to control it where it doesn't spread and you may have to do things to help prevent it from coming back. All right, so we kind of touched on this with our first email, but uh, holiday season includes a lot of travel time for families and sometimes the pets are taken along. So we've got some tips here. The first one that you mentioned, Dr. Major, the trial run. So before you go on a long, you know, multi-hour trip, let your uh, pet get in the car, sort of see how it responds. Do they get anxious, car sick, that sort of thing? And there are some uh, things to prepare for with your vet should you, you know, notice uh, the behavior in the car. 
Um, it's important that humans uh, stay buckled up in a seatbelt. Uh, how do we secure our pets in a car on these longer trips? Great question. And it depends on the size of the pet, of course. Uh, certainly any cat that's in, in your car needs to be in a carrier or crate. Uh, you don't want the cat. Sometimes they would get excited and bounce over the seat on top of your head or whatever. Or I've had situations that like that seriously. So a crate or carrier would be the best thing for your cat. If it's a long trip, a long trip, you need to provide a way that the cat can get to a litter box and maybe have some, you know, just uh, munchies, not a whole lot of food. And that is one thing I think it's important for dogs and cats before you trip. They don't need to gorge themselves, uh, eat a big meal um, before a trip, and that's important. I just say very small treats, that sort of thing would be best. Larger animals like uh, our dogs, uh, there are restraint methods that work uh, by restraint, uh, like a seat belt, you can, and you uh, can hook into that. Usually, usually a, a harness works well and then hook into the seat belt. So there are ways that that can be controlled. I have seen one case where a German Shepherd was sitting on the front seat uh, and driver had to put brakes on. It wasn't restrained. It actually broke the windshield with his mm. head. The dog actually survived and was, did quite well, but these things certainly could have ended the other way. Could have broken his head or neck. Yeah. Uh, we've got another caller on the line, and it uh, looks like a car sickness question coming from Bob in Hattiesburg. Bob, you're on the air with us, so go ahead, please. Good morning. I've, I've got a, a, a situation I've had. We've had dogs all our lives, and, and uh, we just got a rescue. It's not just. It's about four-year-old rescue dog, 50% uh, border collie, 50% Aussie, the, the greatest dog we've ever had. And smart, you know, great in the house, friendly with people, just, just a perfect dog, except that dog will not tolerate any kind of uh, automobile transportation. As soon as you get her, him in a car, he'll start uh, drooling and uh, nasal discharge, you know, and then uh, he'll want to throw up. And I've tried everything, tried short rides, tried some Dramamine, which helps a little bit. But what is, is there any cure for that, or is that just some, something that's going to be, that have to be tolerated? You know, that's a great, great question. It sounds pretty bad with this particular dog. Have you tried putting this dog in a crate uh, when you travel? In a what now? A kennel, a kennel-type crate. Oh, no, okay. I have not. Uh, it might. A lot of the dogs respect that as a kind of like a cave or their uh, some protection, and it might help. And again, I would go back to the not feeding before you go on a trip. Uh, certainly, you can right. for water, but uh, right. do that. And I think the Dramamine or Serenia, which your vet can get for you, should help with that. And I would give it at least 30 minutes to an hour before the trip, and you might have to repeat if it's a long trip. But if you could try the kennel. Friends, uh, you, is, you, a diff- is a different product than Dramamine? Serenia. Serenia. Yeah, I've heard of that. Is that different? Is that, is that that's different from Dramamine? Different yes, compound? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's different. Uh, you'd have to get that from your vet. But call them okay. and ask them, and I'm sure they would be glad to help you with that. Okay. Okay. Well, good luck. Thanks and very I, much. I don't, know that, I don't know that I have a cure, but I, I would certainly try. 
I realize this is a fair-sized dog, but you could figure out how to do a, a hard-sided right. kennel. I think it would be impossible, and maybe uh, give it some protection as well. Right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bob, for your call. So we're talking about uh, tips to think about when traveling with pets. We've talked about a trial run, maybe making some short trips uh, with your pet before embarking on a long trip to, to see how he responds. We talked about buckling up, and as Dr. Major just mentioned with our previous caller, maybe have a, a crate for your dog or some sort of harness, but you want to make sure that they're secure inside the car, uh, both for themselves, but as you mentioned, Dr. Major, you don't want some sort of loose you know, object, whatever, kind of flying around should you get in an accident. <clears throat> Absolutely. And one of the things that comes to mind about travel, be sure to have your pet identified. In other words, two things. I would recommend a microchip, but also ID on a collar uh, in case the pet got got out. You know, if a cat gets out, let's say at a rest stop, you're going to have a hard time catching that cat if it's, if it's uh, spooked and scared. Same thing is true with dogs, but I would fear for a dog possibly getting run over, or the cat as well. But do have ID. Make sure you've got leashes that fit and will not pull off. And choose your uh, places for, for a rest stop with the pet wisely. You don't want to go exactly where every other dog uh, has, has been going, uh, relieving itself on the trip. So just kind of space that out and be sure to clean up after your dog has, has done its business. So, you know, Dr. Major, you might have been the author of this list because the, the one about the ID tag is on our list there. So thanks for pointing that out. Here's another one. Uh, keep heads and paws inside. You know, I think it's kind of funny when you see a dog stick its head out the, the window when driving, but that's that, that can be dangerous. Well, the same thing applies, applies to children. Uh, it's annoying to me to see a, a child standing up with his head sticking out of the sunroof. Uh, same thing is true with our, our pets. A lot of times you think the pet is secure, sticking his head out the window, and they may bail out and have a, you know, a certain traumatic injury. But it's not a good idea to let them stick their, their head out the window. I mean, because, you know, even just hit by something, <clears throat> when you're going that fast, you know, even like a, a small insect, a, a tiny pebble or something uh, right. could really pack a punch, you know, when you're traveling at, you know, 70 miles an hour or whatever. Exactly. It's not a good idea. Okay. The last two on the list I think we talked about, you mentioned pit stops, you know, maybe have a stop every couple of hours, get your pet some exercise, but also a way to use the bathroom if need be. And then importantly, uh, you mentioned not a lot of food, but you do need to hydrate. So bring along uh, some water to make sure your pets uh, stay hydrated on the trip as well. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. It's an all pet day, so we're looking for your pet questions. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. We got a press release from uh, the Hattiesburg Zoo the other day. It's an interesting program that they've got going on. The zoo is collecting used electronic devices for recycling to help animals and their habitat. So it says that during the months of December and January, the Hattiesburg Zoo will be hosting a drive to collect electronic devices for recycling. Um, so uh, according to the Environmental Protection Agency, fewer than 20% of unwanted cell phones are recycled each year. Uh, the zoo is working with a company called EchoCell on this recycling project. And by recycling your used electronics, EchoCell is able to reuse parts of the electronics. So that takes a lot of energy to produce, but it also helps animals and their natural habitats by reducing the amount of mining needed 
uh, for the ores that are used in the uh, manufacture of our uh, smartphones and other devices. Uh, accepted items on this recycling program include cell phones, smartphones, iPhones, iPods, iPads, tablets, uh, uh, Apple watches, Bluetooth watches, GPS, MP3 players, e-readers, digital cameras, almost about any kind of device that you might think about. Uh, admission to the zoo is not required to participate in the program. The recycling bin will be located inside of the Hattiesburg Zoo's gift shop, accessible from the zoo's parking lot and open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Tuesday through Sunday in December, and Friday through Sunday in January. And it's uh, always recommended that you clear any personal information from your device before you drop it off for recycling. But again, sort of an interesting and uh, good uh, program there at the Hattiesburg Zoo. So if you're in or around the Hattiesburg area and are looking to get rid of some used electronics, uh, this might be a good thing uh, to do. So... All right, uh, Dr. Major, another email here. Uh, this one, looking for recommendations for flea control for cats, which can be purchased at local big box stores such as Target, Sam's, or Walmart. Okay. Uh, you know, there are quite a, quite a number of products available there. Uh, one of the, I guess, uh, without getting too far into naming names, but, uh, you know, the frontline type products, Frontline Plus, uh, it's been around a long time. And certainly, I think it is available at uh, the big box stores. Uh, some of them work, some of them don't, and I really can't get into the ins and outs of it. Whatever you're using, first of all, make sure that it's uh, strictly available for cats, not for dogs and cats. I think uh, whatever you use should be um, for cats specifically, and uh, read the directions and follow them closely. That's about the best I can say. Realizing that in some areas, some of the uh, flea populations have built up resistance, and uh, some of these do not work as well as they used to. Most of these are from prior years, many years back, and have been repurposed, I guess, what I would say, for uh, over-the-counter use. Uh, Just a personal observation that I would add is that uh, at one time I tried to purchase the, the uh, products from the big box stores and found that they were not very effective and have since uh, switched to Brevecto, which I get through Dr. Major's clinic. It is a little bit more expensive and you do have to order it through your vet, but I <clears throat> have been very impressed with how much more effective it is in controlling uh, the fleas uh, than some of the other products I've tried. And again, you know, the stand- standard disclaimer, I don't own any stock in Brevecto, uh, but uh, I've really noticed that it, it works a lot better, uh, at least for my cat. Uh, Dr. Major, when it comes to different types, you know, topical, maybe I think there's some sort of pills or a cat, I mean, or a flea collar, is it uh, sometimes just sort of trial or error and keep trying one, and then when you find one that seems to be effective, just, you know, go with that? I think that's right. And uh, a lot of times if you can clear out the flea infestation in a house, for example, maybe using multiple things, in other words, something on your, if you have strictly cats, something on your cats, uh, treat the uh, environment which is important, and uh, when I say treat the environment, I'm talking about good sanitation. Even vacuuming will help, uh, good vacuuming. Uh, but uh, if you have a real severe flea problem, it's going to have to have a multifaceted approach. Most of the time, though, using something like uh, the topical on cat uh, certainly will take care of the problem. 
And another thing <clears throat> that you actually told me about, Dr. Major, is you can get uh, some flea treatment that you can spray around your house uh, to help the flea control. Uh, spray along the baseboards, you know, and near the bottom uh, of the of the of your of the rooms. And the other thing I thought that you had told me, which I think is interesting and important to mention, is you know the the barriers to your house, like the the doorways. Make sure that you want to spray those there because. Uh, that's an easy way for fleas to get in sometimes is through the, the entrance of, of the house. So that's important to kind of uh, treat in that area for sure. Right. Unless you have a video camera on your front door or back door, uh, you never know what uh, animal might, uh, you know, just come sit on the back porch checking things out. But they can be dropping flea larvae and eggs and fleas, which can easily, in most cases, go under the under the door or at least um, be available there. So I would spray outside as well, um, just trying to make a barrier, if you will, to prevent those type fleas from coming in. Yeah, you might do all the work that you do in your house to pre- prevent fleas, <clears throat> but your neighbor might not be as diligent about it. So, yeah, that's a good to try to create a barrier around your house. We've got another caller on the line, and our friend Kathleen from Osaka has a, looks like a Christmas story for us to share. Go ahead, Kathleen. Well, yeah, I'm going to tell you a comment first. He's talking about the fleas. You know what? Did we forget, Dr. Troy? We walk in and out of our house through these grasses, too. And I went through one of those fleas where you got to spray and you got to foam this and all this stuff. And I found out it wasn't my pets. It was me, my <laughs> helper. We were coming in and out of the house. And they were on our shoes. Of course, sometimes you notice it and sometimes you don't. So don't forget to spray your own feet. But I have a, a cute Christmas tale. You know, I've got my cats. And I'm fastidious about what they eat and where they sleep. So I have two large trash cans stuffed with hay with lids on it that are inside a big contractor thing to keep critters out. I don't know how. I got this baby possum in the trash can, inside the bag, sleeping in there like thanks for the holiday. I got my room paid for. I'm out of the rain. I'm out of the cold. You're welcome. And when I opened it up, he had the nerve to go, you know, like I was interrupting his nap. I wanted to take that little son of a gun out. And just, but I was scared to pick him up, so I had to leave the lid open, go back in the house, and wait for him to crawl out, which was some time later. But well, Christmas, it comes in the size of possums, too. Well, now, Kathleen, it, it snarled at you because you weren't interrupting its nap. Now, come on now. <laughs> I know. I should have known that. Anyway, y'all have a good day. Don't forget to spray your own feet. Put something on your boots, milk boots, whatever, because... We're to blame as much as I think so. All right. Thanks, Kathleen, for your call. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines next. Fletch has called in today. Go ahead, Fletch. You're on the air with us. Hey, good morning, Doc. I had a question uh, for y'all to see if there's any advice. We have a uh, almost year-old rescue puppy now and uh, a mix, a uh, smaller, smaller mix. Um, and she marked some territory when she came to the house initially. Then she quit. Now she's been there almost four months and she still doesn't always go outside any any deterrence for uh a dog that seems to be trained enough to go outside but doesn't always do it okay is she going out through a, a doggy door no that sort no. of thing okay and is she home by herself for a good while or is somebody there most of the time 
some days she is, but we put her up in in a uh, in a in a bathroom for those extended periods, but without okay. uh, either during the night or just during the day when we're there. You know, it's great to have some sort of schedule where you're taking her out on time every time. And I realize in most houses, that households, that's almost impossible. But definitely uh, spend some time with her outside. If if you uh, get home, sure. take her out of the bathroom, get her on outside right then. Uh, and then, you know, try to do it every two or three hours when you can. But uh, sometimes it's hard to retrain. It sounds like she knows what she's supposed to do, but she's still having some accidents. Uh, does she? Would she go on a uh, what we call a pee pad if you pad that down? Uh, well, she she we, we put pads down, and she'll use them sometimes, and she'll go right next to it or go you know ten feet away. Um, are there sprays that would deter, or maybe sprays that would attract? There are some sprays that quite possibly would deter. You'd have to go online and look at those. I don't know of any particular brand name. Uh, and there are also some things that would attract maybe to a pee pad, this sort of thing. So that that might help you some. Uh, I and, think getting her out is off. Uh, she, she's only a year, so the euphemism of can't teach an old dog new tricks, but, but is it still possible to do some type of, type of, uh, of vineyard training? Yes, it is, and try to be consistent, yeah, with getting her out. But, yes, I'd say, yes, she can still be trained, yeah. Keep working with her. Thank you. Okay. All right, uh, Fletch, we appreciate your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio and All Pet Day Today. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. Still time to join a conversation with a question or comment on this All Pet Day. You can send us an email to animals at mpbonline.org. If you missed any of today's show, you can always subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcasting app or download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone, and then you can hear all of the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. So, Dr. Major, I would imagine that most of the pets that you see in your clinic are probably dogs and cats. What are some of the more exotic or unusual animals that you've uh, treated in the clinic? Okay. You know, a little bit of everything, I wouldn't say... uh Everything, certainly not, but we see snakes, we see bearded dragon, you know, the type of, uh, like a lizard, mm-hmm. uh, birds, uh, parrots, macaws, uh, canaries. So we've seen quite a few different types of birds over the years. Uh, hedgehog, uh, we had to, had to remove a tumor from, it's actually a melanoma from a hedgehog's back, uh, one time there you know i guess you name it uh tortoises turtles uh we've seen a few uh wild animals that have been brought in for emergency treatment uh uh actually we had a couple of river otters that were wow. brought in years ago that had been shot and they were beyond beyond help uh, so you know I, i'd rather not see uh Pigs, but we do. We have neuter, neuter some pigs occasionally, you know, pet pigs like the, the micro pigs, the pot billy pig. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. An occasional llama. We've seen a llama or two, but, you know, these, <laughs> it's, it's, we're, we're available for most anything that uh, can, can come along. Uh, I was trying to think of the most unusual, and they're all kind of unusual, a lot of those. 
but yeah, it's been a, I enjoy uh, seeing different things. So, uh, was the hedgehog somewhat domesticated? Oh yes, it was. It was. Uh, it was a pet, and uh, it just developed this growth on its back. And of course, have to stop and think about how you would get two of them, or because of the uh, quills, little sharp projectiles, mm-hmm. you know, to get to. So you have to kind of be careful as far as how you would manipulate doing surgery on on that. Uh, of course, it's small, so you have to use gas anesthesia uh, to just kind of help with any. Uh, motion or pain, you know, you don't want them to be awake while you're doing that, so yeah, it's uh, rabbits also, I mentioned rabbits, we see a fair number of rabbits, Uh, guinea pigs, I don't know the whole list, but I'm sure there's something I've missed, Uh, and, 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 you know, trying to cover the subject of the numbers. Got a couple callers on the line, we will return to the phone lines and invite Rachel from Eupora on the air. Good morning, Rachel, go ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, so I have two cats, and one will drink water from a bowl, and the other one seems totally mystified about it and just tries to pick the water up in his paws and makes a big mess. Is there any anybody have any tips on how to train the other one to drink from a bowl? That's a great that's a great question, and I have seen some similar situations like that, you might, he's fascinated by the water, I think is probably what it is, you know, and I see. I've even, I've even seen one or two cats who would pick their food up with their paw and uh-huh. either throw it on the floor and then eat it or, you know, try to eat out of their uh, uh, paw. Uh, I guess the thing, one of my cats really likes a bubbler fountain. They're uh-huh. not very expensive, but it has a bubble type thing and you keep it full of water and it uh, fascinates the cat but there might be a, a way to handle that. We have other cats that will only drink out of the sink uh, they, running water out That's of the sink unfortunately a lot of them know how to turn it on so <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> the classic example was one I think on Facebook or whatever that uh the cat turned it on and then pushed a towel into the sink, so it flooded the house. And that, uh, it was oh, nobody was there. Nobody was there, uh, uh-huh. so it just flooded the house uh, because of the fact the sink uh, he blocked it off. Incidentally, I had a similar situation, Kevin. I I did have a uh, uh, South American boa for a while, and it was at the clinic and had it in surgery on the floor thought it was a good warm place to keep it but anyway that snake uh, actually turned the water on and got in the sink and uh, it didn't flood it too bad but it was beginning to flood when it came back from work so there's all kind of things wow. that can happen but uh, yes I I don't know that there's a way to break that habit that you're talking about you might try a bubbler and see I guess put down towels or something before he's trying to drink and play with it and sometimes dogs will do that, too, We puppies especially. People have told me they've seen their dog go stick their whole head into the bowl and blow bubbles just about, you know, make a big mess. So um, hopefully that this can be something that the bubbler might help as far as that is concerned. You might try and see. I think I'll give that a try. 
All right, uh, Rachel, thanks for the call. My uh, brother uh, has a bubbler for his cats, and they do seem to enjoy drinking that way. So that's a, a good suggestion, and you can probably get it in any of the pet supply stores. So appreciate your call in this morning. Uh, let's get another caller on the line, our friend from Beaumont. Sue is on the line. Good morning, Sue. You're next. Go ahead. Good morning. I, I'd like to mention something that really bothers me, but <laughs> I like I had my best friend died, and she had a cat that she just utterly adored, and the cat adored her. She had it from the time it was a kitten, and she wanted me to take the cat when she found out she was dying. And uh, I'm allergic to cats. I, it was she had family. I thought some of the family would take the cat. Don't don't you think of a person is going to get a pet and be that close to a pet that they should remember that pet in their will to to find somebody to take care of that pet who's never known anything but care and comfort after they're gone. I, it really bothers me to think that people might just take their the animals and dump them out in the woods or something. You know. I didn't think that's not right. It's not fair to the pet. <laughs> but, well, that's a great that's a great point, Sue. So, uh, we do have situations like that, and uh, I know that sometimes a family doesn't want to take the pet uh, if there's a family involved when somebody passes away. So uh, we would always try to help find a good home for a cat or a dog like that. But it, it is difficult, uh, you know, for a lot of people to think about that, uh, especially maybe making provisions. For your pet, uh, especially if you see that you're about to pass. All right, Sue, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Uh, Dr. Major, about three minutes left. I think enough time for this last email that says, I have an adult indoor cat that's uh, had for about eight months, has started pulling hair about four months ago. Uh, It started sporadically from around the toes and then the base of the tail, but has become more prevalent over the last month or so on the sides in the area forward from the hind legs just before the hind legs. The left side has a bare spot about five inches long and three and a half inches wide. The right spot is, uh, has a spot but's much smaller. Otherwise, he seems happy and healthy with a beautiful, shiny coat. Any ideas on this problem? Gosh, it sounds like an allergic-type response, maybe some sort of immune system deal. Uh, if they're free of fleas, uh, certainly that would be the first thing I would look for, be sure there are no fleas, and usually they uh, would congregate in the back portion of the, the animal. On the other hand, it may require a visit to the vet, I would suspect, and possibly have some medication given uh, to reverse this. But uh, I would I would consult with your vet on this because, you know, over the email or phone, it would be difficult to know exactly what's going on. Also, another pet uh, or a cat thing, uh, you know, this is the time of year when we get a lot of, uh, guest shipments to and from in the holiday season. And so, if you have some uh, cardboard boxes uh, around that I uh, read, again, was doing cat things on the Internet this morning. But, uh, you know, it said that cats do love uh, cardboard boxes. Uh, so, uh, you know, save some of those. Take the tape and the staples out. But uh, cats, uh, Dr. Major, seem to like the sort of the confined and warm space that a box might provide for them. Absolutely. And I, I like the idea of closing the box up and making a hole on maybe either end or in different places where the cat can go in and out but still feel secure. Uh, They like to hide. Uh, Of course, they do that under the bed a lot of times or in other places. and sometimes startle you when you you find them. But I would say that boxes are an excellent place for them to, uh, what should I say, play or retreat. And it's called an enrichment type of their environment. So that would be great. 
Uh, and also it mentioned that, uh, you know, cardboard is good if they want to sharpen up their claws and do some scratching. You would certainly much prefer that they scratch in a cardboard box than on your couch. Um, and let me put in one final plug. The, the, I've got two of them for my cat now, but the little tunnels that you can get, they're both about probably about four or five feet long. I've got two of them, and he loves just running through those. And, it, again, I think it's that idea that he gets to hide in there and, and can't be seen. But, boy, I, that is the best money, I think, for in terms of cat uh, toys that I've ever spent is those expandable tunnels, and they love to run up and down and hide in those. Although I will say, too, that uh, sometimes while walking down the hall, there's an unexpected attack of, <laughs> from the secret uh, spot he's got there in his tunnel. But that's all part of owning great a, idea. a cat. Great idea. Yeah, that's good. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit creaturecomforts.mpbonline.org. Uh, Java Chapman produces Creature Comforts, and the podcast producer is Jermaine Flood. Our call screener today was Charles Arnold. So for Dr. Troy Major and the absent Libby Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned because up next, it's autocorrect. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.